This is the Neighborhood Conversations Podcast. Today's episode was originally recorded on January 7th, 2024. what God is telling us through the words from the second chapter of Matthew. Listen, listen, listen to what God is saying to us through these words. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen the star, his star, in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote, You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child." When you found him, report to me, so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went, and look, the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. Then they opened their treasure chests and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the beloved people of God. Will you say thanks be to God? Friends, will you pray with me? Oh, gracious God, thank you for the way that you show up and shine light into this world. God, help us to notice this light. Help us to see the ways that this light is also shining from us. God, help us to notice the light wherever it shows up. And God, help us to follow the light so that we can learn and notice and practice what the light can do. God, we pray and ask this in the name of Jesus, the one who is the light of the world, who calls us to be the light of the world as well. We pray it in his name and all God's people said, amen. So, some years ago, a good friend and one of my former housemates from college got married. So, we went to D.C. for the wedding, and it was one of those things where you see friends you haven't seen in many years, and you get caught up, and you meet their, like, new partners, and maybe sometimes their kids. It's one of those kind of, like, gatherings and reconnecting times after many years of being apart. These times are really good, but they can also be sort of intense, if you know what I mean, if you've ever been to that kind of thing or had that kind of experience. So, at this wedding... I'm like standing, you know, sort of in the corner at the reception, I think, um, and I look up, and there is this woman, and I happen to know her from many years ago. She's a brilliant French woman named Aude Aurelia, 
and I am flabbergasted to see her in this room. I think to myself, what on earth is this person doing here in this place? See, um, Ode Aurelia and I had met like something like eight years before this because she was dating my friend and housemate, the same person who was getting married that very day. And Ode and my friend had met because in the days of Napster, <laughs> if anybody remembers Napster, my friend had downloaded French hip-hop from a user named Ode Aurelia, and there was a chat feature on Napster where you could chat with the person that you were downloading things from, and they started chatting and downloading more things from each other, and they hit it off online. And then, about two weeks later, my friend announces that Ode is coming to visit us in Atlanta from Paris, in just a couple of weeks, and that Ode would be staying a month. <laughs> and faithfully, Ode appeared at the Atlanta airport, and my friend and Ode, after just a few days, <clears throat> connected romantically, and somewhere around the second week of her visit, my friend leans over at dinner and asks, how do you get married? You like know about this stuff, right? So me and some other friends talked him down from marrying her, <laughs> thankfully. And less than two weeks after that, she went home to France, never to be seen again. <laughs> or so I thought. <laughs> Until my friend's wedding. <laughs> what on earth was Ode Aurelia doing at my friend's wedding? Was she crashing the wedding? Was she invited to the wedding? Was there going to be drama? <laughs> As it turns out, she had been invited by my friend, and there was no dra drama, excuse me, and Ode and I got to chat a little bit at the reception, and all was well. I was struck in that moment by how you never know who is going to show up in your life and when. And you may almost never know why they have appeared in your life what their appearance might mean, and how it will affect you in the short or long term. You can't possibly know without hearing more of the story what thoughts, events, choices, and impulses compelled someone to be in a certain place at a certain time, particularly if it's outside of their normal zone of living, learning, or working. Have you ever had one of those kind of moments where you ask yourself, why is this person here? This is so random that this human is here in this place totally out of context. I wonder what it was like for Mary and Joseph to have some random guests appear that day in Bethlehem. These guests who were apparently magi, astrologers, Star watchers from the East. From Mary's perspective, she and Joseph had had their baby. Nearly two years before their baby Jesus had been born. And while they weren't living in the stable anymore and had found better quarters for living, and Joseph had found some work, it still wasn't quite home like Nazareth was. Little Jesus had started to walk and was beginning to talk and was generally a delight but it was still a little bit lonely. 
And then one afternoon, these, this small group of strangely dressed people appear at the door, and they seem overwhelmed when they catch a glimpse of the little Jesus. They are so overwhelmed by joy and relief that it's almost like they are worshiping the toddler, and they offer gifts, less than practical gifts like gold and frankincense and myrrh. But they seemed so grand and generous that Mary was not going to say no. And then after just sort of basking in the presence of her little one, again, sort of strange, but you may have had that kind of experience when relatives appear for a newborn, they depart, never to be seen again by Mary. What were these people doing there? Why on earth had they come, and would she ever see them again? The different gospel Matthew says, or Luke says, that Mary treasured all of these things in her heart, and I wonder if this was one of those things. What Mary did not know and could not have known is that nearly two years earlier, there was a small team of scholars working on an astral R&D project several hundred miles away from Bethlehem. These wise and learned folks had climbed the stairs to their observation towers nearly every night when it was clear, and they spent hours and hours noticing things. The movement of the stars, the position of the planets, and the appearance of unusual things like comets and other celestial lights. All of these things had their meaning, of course, and importance, and they paired what they saw with what others had recorded in the prior centuries to be able to know and understand more about what was happening in the world around them. Look, y'all know how this works, okay? I know y'all look at Instagram, and I know you know what your zodiac sign is, okay? Y'all know how this works. It's about knowing the intersection of dates and times and influences and interactions. It can be fun, and it feels helpful for some folks. And these scholars noticed something in the stars, a new star, a new light. It seemed to be fixed in the West, fixed in a way that was especially unusual for heavenly objects. In fact, it seemed to be marking a location, and it felt so intriguing and unusual that these wise humans felt compelled to investigate. So they packed up a caravan with all the necessary entourage, supplies, and gifts, and they bid farewell to family and friends, and they set off across a long distance for an unknown destination with an unknown objective. And they journeyed for months and months stopping when they needed to resupply or recalibrate their instruments. And eventually they found themselves at the doorway of a little modest house, chatting with a young mom, gazing with amazement at a little boy running around in the front room. Y'all, the light makes you do some wild stuff. Sometimes the light appears in the night sky, and it is so unusual and compelling that you pack up and you leave behind loved ones, and you journey out into the unknown to see for yourself what this light might mean. And sometimes you're just minding your own business, living your everyday life, and people appear, unusual people who are in the midst of their journey, and they find you. And you have something for them, apparently. 
Or maybe they have something for you. Maybe it's a mutual situation. Gifts, lessons, a time of growing together. What I am finding so interesting about this story right now is that it is the light, the light of a star, the light of God shining in the world that invites action and movement. It brings people together that otherwise would never have met. This, these complete and total strangers are brought together by this light, this guiding and directing light. It seems random almost, but it is not. It is the intention that the light of the light to bring us together. This light reveals the people and the places and the next right steps on the journey, a journey not without danger and risk and complication, but it is a journey filled with gifts and growth all the same. Y'all, this is what the light can do. The light of God shows up maybe as a star, maybe as a whisper in the night, maybe in the appearance of an old friend, maybe in the presence of a complete stranger. And the light provokes us into action if we are willing. The light appears, and if we choose, we can step out of our doors and onto the long and winding road towards new people, new relationships, new learning, and growing. Y'all, the light of God is showing up and inviting us into the new creation, this journey towards the distant horizon where all things meet and righteousness and peace kiss, as the psalmist says. But y'all, this light is not a giant two million candle-powered flashlight. <laughs> Have you seen those at Costco? They're pretty crazy and really bright. <laughs> the light that appears in the sky is faint. It appears at night. It is not flashy or pushy. I like to think that this light works with consent, offering us a choice to notice it or not, to follow it or not, to join in this journey or to stay comfortably at home. To search for the light becomes the point. The light invites not just a one-and-done moment of revelation and clarity, but a relationship of notice and follow, notice and follow, listen and move, listen and move. The light offers us a chance to train our minds and our hearts and our eyes and our guts to be better noticers of faint signs that point to growth and learning and new joy. With the light of God, there is no explosion of a firework display of spiritual arrows saying, here, here, but a lifetime of looking, searching, asking, here, here, here. I have heard this kind of cosmic game that God seems to be playing with us framed by some preachers as, a, as like a test, if you know what I mean that God is hiding clues for us to notice if we are faithful enough. And if we find the clues, then we pass the test and we win or something. But I don't think that God is testing us. I think that God is giving us clues every day, everywhere, 
Clues in the night sky, clues in the mirror, clues in the eyes of our children, and clues in the flowers and the rocks and the wind that we are a part of the heart of God. That nothing but our own mind separates us from the radiant love of the one who made us, who made all of us, all of us, all of us. Oh, this is the deepest mystery, friends. That God is hidden but not hiding. That God is scattering clues everywhere, but there is no test. Every moment is, as Alice Walker says in the preface to The Color Purple, it's a chance for us to encounter that which is beyond understanding but not beyond loving. And to say, I see you and I hear you clearly, great mystery. Now that I expect to see and to hear you everywhere I am, which is the right place. Neighbors, in just a few minutes, as we come for communion, you will have a chance to draw a star word for the year. Now, I don't know if you know this practice, but on Epiphany, for the past several years here at Neighborhood, we have offered star words, a single word or short phrase on a little star-shaped piece of paper like this one, and you can choose to use this word as a kind of frame for the year, the year that's just now getting started. These words aren't magic. They aren't meant to be a burden or an obstacle. You can't win at your star word. (laughs) But as you live your life, I have found that having one word in the back of your mind as a point of comparison or contrast, helps me to notice better. It helps me to process better. It helps me to keep on asking, here? This? It helps me to hold on to this relationship that I am growing with the great mystery who actually is all around, hoping that I will notice this clue or that clue. Depending on the word, your star word might be challenging, or it might be a kind of deep encouragement, or just odd, and the oddness keeps you guessing as to what it might mean. Look, these are just words on paper, but taking a star word is a kind of helpful exercise in the practice of noticing God in your life, which as a practice can be challenging, deeply encouraging, and sometimes odd, with the oddness keeping you guessing. That's just how this works, friends. Y'all, the star words are like a little sparkle that reflects the star that shone over Bethlehem, which shone in the dark to invite all kinds of people out of their routines and into relationship across distance and time and boundaries and borders. This star was sparked by the light of the living one, The same light who spoke you into being in the dark and who shines in you still. This light may seem distant, but it is also within us, guiding us, encouraging us, challenging us, connecting us to others. And y'all, not just you, every human being on this earth. This light calls to all of us, not just to some of us, to join in the new creation, to find deep relationship with the great mystery that is beyond understanding but not beyond loving. 
This light weaves us together. Wise scholars, young mothers, infants, shepherds, kings, carpenters, preachers, doctors, teachers, lawyers, nonprofit professionals, seminarians, retired folks, and everybody in between. The light is in all of us. The light calls to all of us. The light can speak to all of us. The light can encourage, challenge, confuse, and comfort all of us. The light can guide us to a more perfect kind of love. And that, neighbors, is what the light can do. May it be so for Neighborhood Conversations, produced by Neighborhood Church in Atlanta, Georgia. You can learn more about us at NeighborhoodChurchATL.com. And on our website, you can find links to our weekly live streams. And you can find out what's going on in the neighborhood. Find us on social media and don't forget to subscribe. Peace be with you.